Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 417. And there was a certain thing that happened in sports recently that made me want to have this guy on. First, let's talk about Kevin Brown. I don't know Kevin Brown. I've heard of him. There's a rumor that I met him when he was attending Syracuse University. So he used to go up there a lot, even before I started teaching there. Kevin Brown is the television voice of the Baltimore Orioles on Masson, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. And recently, he was suspended from the air, according to reports, for saying something egregious and negative about the team. This is the clip that got Kevin Brown suspended. Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. Now, a couple of things about that clip. Number one, that was predetermined. That was talked about in a pre-show meeting. There was a graphic put up. So everyone was on the same page except for John Angelos, the owner of the Orioles. My first reaction, I make no secret about it, is I hoped that there was nothing else, that there wasn't something about this story that we didn't know. And that's exactly what made me think of today's guest here on Sports with Friends. Brent Axe has been a longtime radio host in Syracuse, New York. He's also taken part in the Buffalo Bills radio network. And he's also an adjunct professor like myself at Syracuse University. I teach a podcasting class. He teaches a sports interviewing class. Brent Axe recently had to deal with something very similar to what Kevin Brown was dealing with. Brent was dismissed by the ESPN Syracuse affiliate owned by Galaxy Communications for being too negative about Syracuse basketball and Syracuse sports in general. And in both cases, the Kevin Brown case and the Brent Axe case, the national media and social media came out of the woodwork to show support for both Brent and Kevin. The irony here is that Brent knows Kevin. And the reason why that's significant, I'm not going to put Kevin Brown on this podcast to talk about this. I may have him on in the future to talk about his role with the Orioles, but not this. What I wanted to know is what kind of guy was he? Because if he's the type of guy that I remember my classmates being at Syracuse and the students that I interact with now, he doesn't like the publicity. He'd rather have no publicity at all. On top of all this, there's been such upheaval in college sports. Andy Staples was great last week on the podcast. And Brent, it's part of his job with Syracuse.com, has a new podcast. And he said some things that were not necessarily debating Andy Staples, but they were some anomalies. And I thought... Wow, what an opportunity here 
to have a guy who I've respected, I've enjoyed listening to for such a long time, on the podcast, we could talk about Kevin Brown, we could talk about the Orioles, we could talk about how it compares to his situation, and then we can have a conversation about the ACC, the future of the ACC, and yeah, we're Q's guys, so I'm going to throw a couple of Syracuse questions at him as well. So throughout the history of this podcast, there are probably a dozen people that I think I've had on that I didn't have on. And that, that's Brent X. I, I have not asked Brent X to be on this podcast for so many years because I thought he'd been on. And then when I realized he hadn't, I immediately want to right the wrong. This is like the quantum leap of podcasting. Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for doing this. I know you got a million projects going on. We'll talk about all of those. Thanks for taking some time and joining me. It's great to be here. And you we were talking about this and setting it up. I'm almost 90% sure we did something. I don't know if it was this something. podcast or something else. I don't know if I was on the Hall of Justice, maybe talking Star Wars. Like, but there, yeah, there is somewhere lost in the cosmos a conversation between you and I formally in in some kind of a format out there. So yeah, nice. I mean, I said it in the open. This officially official. I like right. this. this. is your official appearance. Okay. This podcast is... Okay, let, let's pretend it. It's global. Just because some guy in Europe listens doesn't make it really global. But there are people... I've known you for over a decade. So for people who don't know you, you're, 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 the Reader's Digest version of your career. You started in Syracuse, but... You went to Buffalo. You did this. Give me the 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 the, the thumbnail sketch of the Brent Axe history. Okay, so let's do this quickly. So I grew up here in Central New York. I went to Bishop Ludden High School, and it's there where my broadcast career started because they were looking for interns for what was then eighty nine one the Pauls, which is now Z eighty nine, the student station at sure. Syracuse, right? And at Ludden, I was doing like the student announcements, like you know the typical. Uh, high school morning announcements kind of thing. So I did two summers and two winters as an intern at 89 One the Pulse. And I did everything in the book. Which I was did on air- the Syracuse University campus when you're just in high school. When you're just in high school, right. I was and not you got the bug. They had to bring in high school students to kind of keep the lights on during breaks because there wasn't a lot of people around. So I did everything you could think of. Uh, on-air shifts, promotions, you name it for that. I went to Herkimer County Community College in 1996 when I graduated from high school. And in my first semester at Herkimer, I got a job and an internship at WIVX in Utica. So from 1996 to 2000, I did everything at WIVX you could think of, news, sports, sales, promotions. But my main thing there was I was the co-host and uh, producer of Sports Watch, which was the nightly sports show. WIVX was a news talk station. And I did that. And this is when 24 hour sports radio, just to put some context, is kind of in its infancy in that it's less than a decade old. There were 24 hour stations, but most stations were news talk that had a sports element. That's right. That's right. And Sports Watch had actually been around since the late 1970s. So it was kind of ahead of the curve in that way. But like you said, sports talk radio as a format was, you know, it, it was still in a bottle in its mouth at that point. So I worked there until. 2002 as the producer and the co-host, two years as the host of Sports Watch from 2000 uh, to 2002. It was in 2002 
I got the call to come back out to Syracuse, where I grew up, on Sports Radio 620 WHEN. And uh, I took, a station I, I know very well. Yes, the Sports Monster, which unfortunately no longer exists. <laughs> but I took over for Adam Shine, who was a popular sports host here in Syracuse, uh-huh. and I did afternoon drive there. And I did uh, post-game shows for Syracuse football and basketball coverage. And I did that from 02 to 2006. Uh, in 2006, I got laid off by Clear Channel, just out of the blue, one of those radio things, you know. And uh, by the way, at the time, Seth, I had a one-month-old baby, and I had just moved into my new house. So that'll uh, that'll wake uh, you up. Sure, of course. <laughs> to, to life a little bit, right? Uh, in 2007, I actually started at Syracuse.com part-time uh, writing a blog, and blogs were still kind of a new thing at the time. And then from 2008 until 2012, I worked at the Score 1260 in Syracuse at an afternoon drive. That show was simulcast on Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, which that's, is a local that's RSC. probably when you and I met. Right, I think so. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right about that. And that channel no longer exists, by the way. And also in that time frame, I was the pregame, halftime, and postgame host for the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, as you said. So you would drive uh, to Buffalo on Fridays or Sundays? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'd be covering Syracuse, right, from Monday through Friday, normal stuff, cover Syracuse football and basketball on Saturdays, drive to Buffalo Saturday night. I'm on the air at 8 a.m. the next day doing the pregame show, doing the halftime, doing the postgame, get off postgame. It's 8 o'clock at night. and Oh, yeah, I, I still have to drive home to Syracuse. To get back from Buffalo to Syracuse. Which, get back from Buffalo. For so those that, of you listening in on the West Coast, that's not close. No, it's not. It's it's a three-hour drive that time of night when you're exhausted. Uh, it was challenging. Uh, so I did that until 2012. And 2012, I actually started full-time here at Syracuse.com as a, a columnist, podcaster, a number of things we were doing at the time. And I left radio for a little bit. And, and, then- and Syracuse.com, just so people know, it, it's the transformation of a newspaper. It was the post-standard. That's the post-standard correct. became Syracuse.com. So for a while, you know, they were, the relationship was interesting, you know, Syracuse.com, which is kind of the online home of the post standard, they were affiliated, but it was right around then, Seth, when Syracuse.com went into hyperdrive and really kind of, kind of took the lead as being the media entity here. And it's still obviously their partner as, as a part of advanced media here, but that's when I really think Syracuse.com uh, grew up. That That's the day Syracuse.com became president, to, to use a term that, that's out there. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing, I've been here ever since uh, as a sports columnist. And, you know, as we mentioned, the new podcast and, and things that are happening. And in that time frame as well, also worked at ESPN Radio Syracuse for eight years, from 2014 until uh, just a few months ago. Yeah. So well, that's, that's the short. That's been, uh, that's been well documented. We talked about it in the open and we'll get to that uh, in, in, in due time. Um, you also teach a class at Syracuse university. And I, I, I do also. So I see, you know, we, we get the same emails all the time and, and your class is, tell our listeners what that class is and how, because of that class and the length of time that you've done it, you know all the young broadcasters that come out of Syracuse. You know them intimately because you were their their, their teacher, and now you see them have varying degrees of success. Yeah, and and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it has been 
one of the most rewarding things I'll ever get to do in my career. And I actually took over the class from Dan Duva, who's now the play-by-play voice. Great. Dan Duva has been on Sports with Friends. See, now Dan Duva has been on. Just saying, Dan Duva has been on. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, I remember recording. Yes. Okay. When he got the job, when he got the job in Vegas, uh, we had him on. Okay. Good to know. Uh, So the name of the class is Sports Interviewing. And, you know, that's kind of the 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 main basis of of the class we teach interviewing tactics but cool really there's a lot of you brought it up these guys want to get into sports media right if it's play by play if it's talk radio if it whatever the case may be so what i lay out to my kids in my class is like okay here are the interviewing tactics we're going to discuss and go over and learn right but you've got me for 5 weeks i work in the business what do you need to know Right. And I have juniors, seniors and grad students. So they're hungry and they are ready for the next step. And I think they really appreciate that. It's also a class about like the media industry itself and kind of, okay, here we go. This is what you need to know to get out there and and, and get your feet wet and get get your uh, get the experience you need, make the contacts you need. And just, you know, learning about the industry itself, you know, reading the trades, knowing the sales end of it, knowing all aspects of the industry. So we cover a lot, but interviewing is, is kind of, you know, the, the basis of the class. Uh, for the audience, uh, Dan Tuva was on Sports with Friends, episode 133. There he you go. Followed, he, got- he followed, uh, 131 was Jason Stark, right after he got let go by ESPN. And uh, New Jersey Devils legend Patrick Eliash was 132, but Dan Duva was 133. Continue. There you go. Um, now, the Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, by the way. I was really That's right. That's right. The they, they had made the finals <laughs> the first year, just just the finals. Uh, but uh, Dan does a great job. He does a great job. And they, uh, if you're listening to this uh, around the time that it's posted, are one of the first uh, NHL teams to set up their own standalone streaming service because they are distancing themselves from their regional sports network. We saw it in baseball. Now we're starting to see it in the NHL. We're going to see it a lot in the NBA in the coming weeks and months. Um, You knew, how well did you know uh, current Orioles play-by-play announcer and former Syracuse alum, uh, or I guess current Syracuse alum, former Syracuse student, Kevin Brown? How well did you know him? I know Kevin really well. I knew him when he was here. I knew Kevin when he was working with Jason Benetti, who, of course, is uh, also one of the best play-by-play guys in baseball. They were in the same booth calling the Syracuse Chiefs uh-huh. for, I believe it was four years. They that were was in- on the same ESPN station that you were working on? No, I believe it was still the score 1260. I don't recall okay. the Chiefs or now that they're now the Syracuse Mets. They were the Chiefs then. Being yeah, That's garbage, by the way. That's so stupid. <laughs> do a whole podcast on why Why would you change the name? How arrogant do you have to be to change the name? You have a city that embraces a franchise with that name and you just changed it to your fan base. And the worst part about it is, is what, you know, we, we live in this polarized society. So now... The, the you could be a Met fan or a Yankee fan, you could love the Chiefs. But now, if you're a Yankee fan, what the hell are you doing going to a Syracuse Mets game for? It's, I don't know. It's kind of worth. I would have loved. I love. I would have loved to have been in on those planning meetings. I was with you uh, on that before, but I actually think that uh, that 
that's different. I think it's actually working for them. They actually do draw more than 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 Mets fans Maybe. believe, or not. but we can. That's a whole different Maybe. topic, different days. So yeah, it's an old that's an old argument. Um, <laughs> and Pete Rose I should do, no, and no. Casey Martin should dr- be able to drive a ca- cart. There you go. Old, old, oh old sports God, radio. Old time. school on the, on the, the that was the time. old trick in the nineties. If you didn't have phone calls and you wanted phone calls, all you say is, I don't think Casey Martin should be allowed to drive a cart. Bam. Or, or Pete Rose or Pete, Pete Rose. Rose. That was the other one. Pete Rose. That was, that's a hall of fame sports radio topic, right? there. That's a, right. That's a, that's an easy one. Okay. So I knew, I knew Jason and Kevin really well and still do still friends uh, with, with both of them to this day. The incident with Kevin Brown that we talked about in the open, um, where he was suspended for literally nothing. You know, I, I thought about reaching out to him and I was like, I'm not going to, what, what, what could he say? It's, it's an, it's an awkward spot. I wanted somebody who knew him really well to understand that as egregious as it was and as stupid a deal as it is, he probably wasn't, he probably was hurt by the whole thing. Like, if, if if he is the type of kid that I know all these Syracuse alums and, 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 and all these, we all come from the, we're all cut from the same cloth. And even though he probably didn't want all this publicity on him, even though 90% of it was positive, the whole thing was an ugly eyesore. And that's not what Kevin Brown wants to be known for. No. And that's what made me, so mad about this Seth is you can't find somebody with more integrity who does their job well brings humor intelligence and professionalism to every broadcast he does so he didn't deserve this one way or the other there was a graphic on the screen that he was supporting there's a whole team behind this the information was provided by the public relations department for the Baltimore Orioles and John Angelos who clearly did this from the Orioles, and I, there's a, 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 a vice president, too, whose name I'm forgetting that's that's involved in this. But Irrelevant. these two were, were so dense, they couldn't even realize that what Kevin set up was actually a compliment right. to how well the Orioles were playing this year. Like, we hadn't been this good in Tampa, but look at the situation now, right? They were too dense to even figure that out, number one. Number two, like Kevin's just doing his job here, like literally stating facts. And as a play-by-play guy, you have to be careful when you do opine. But it wasn't even an opinion. It was setting up the success that the Orioles were had. And why would Angelos or anybody involved in that organization go out of their way to detract from the fact you're having this magical season in 2023 when you have been one of the doormats of Major League Baseball in recent years? And the fact that it was Kevin at the heart of it, somebody who the last thing he would ever do is go out of his way to hurt to embarrass the, the team to, to do anything. Well, well yeah. that, that, okay. I'm glad you brought that up because here's what my initial thought was. There's something we don't know. I'm being honest. When the story came out and all these announcers, you know, from all over baseball, you know, Dave O'Brien and Gary Cohen, all these, all these announcers, go out of their way to come to his defense, to rush to his defense. And all I was saying was, boy, I hope that there isn't something where we find out later that he was suspended for something else and the story is being misreported. I knew and there was no. I, 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 knew. I, I don't believe that it was, but that was my reaction because I don't know him. 
Yeah. I don't know him. And what I was hoping, I was just hoping as good as hope. I said, boy, I hope this guy didn't do anything else that we don't know about. You know, brought brought drugs on the bus. I, I, I don't know what whatever it could have been. You knew him. So you had a different reaction. Yeah, that's what makes this even worse is I knew there was no other shoe to drop. Right. Look, you never know these days. I understand some hesitation from those that didn't know Kevin. You never know what's what's out I mean, there. We're talking in a matter of hours, but in, in social media, everybody has this instant reaction. And all I was like, hold yeah. on, there might be some something else to this story. But I knew it was nothing else, A, because I know Kevin, and B, because the Orioles are one of the worst-run franchises in Major League Baseball. So combine those two things, and I knew there was no other shoe that was going to drop here. This was the, the Orioles in their hubris just doing Orioles things, and it, it's just disgusting. And then he's... You know, Kevin, you know, look, you put out the statement on Twitter. You can read it. You can see it. I read it as, as almost like a, hostage, like a hostage video. video. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't blame him for doing that. That's a tough look. Gary Cohen said it, Seth, that 29 other teams would love to have Kevin as their broadcaster. Right. And I, I appreciated that. But there's only 30 of these jobs. So you don't want to mess with that. So I get the position that Kevin's in, you know, when you and Angelos owns Masson you know, the regional network that broadcasts the game. So like, you've got to walk that fine line. And look, this is something we talk about in class with, I'm sure you talk about it with your students. It's like, when you get into this business, depending on who employs you, like these are the fine lines you've got to walk sometimes. And, you know, we learn about journalism and the basis of journalism and there's no finer place to do that than Syracuse university. But, you know, sometimes, you know, your check literally has the Orioles logo on it and you've got to take that into account. It's it, it's amazing. Now, you had something similar. Uh, we talked about it in the open. You wrote a a, a very detailed article. I, I thought it was classy as hell. Uh, the way you wrote this article, the news had come out uh, about you being let go because you were critical of Syracuse basketball team and Jim Beheim's a part owner of the station. You can say whatever you want ab- about it, but parallel to what happened to Kevin was very apples to apples in the sense that what you were doing was stating facts. Also, you were calling it like you see it. I I can say that because I listened. You knew I listened to your show. I knew that you were critical of the team. I never thought you were unfair or negative towards the team. And I never thought you had an ax to grind. So compare the Kevin Brown story to your own. So I'll compare it this way. I mean, obviously, as a talk show host, I'm much more opinionated, right? But you want that opinion to be based in fact and cited fact. And I have to go out of my way, maybe more than than Kevin had to, because why, why are you even thinking uh, this way in Kevin's situation? But I have to go out of my way to be fair, right? If I'm going to have this strong an opinion on something, then you, it has to be based in fact. Right. So the radio station I worked for was was affiliated with, with Syracuse University. They carried... Uh, on a different station, but same company that that owns it, uh, the, the broadcast rights. So I knew that and everybody involved knew that. And from day one, I made it clear to everybody involved, like, this is who I am. I'm going to give my opinion. I understand you have a business relationship here, but I have a job to do for my audience. And that's what I felt like I did, Seth. And, you know, somebody who ran the radio station and and whoever else is on this list that wasn't good enough for them 
they didn't like that. They saw it as, as you mentioned, as too negative and, and they made a change, which look, you can do whatever you want with your radio station. But I think the feedback that has come from it has been validating from the real people out there that are listening, that were the audience that expected me to do my job the way that I did. And I feel like I passed that test. It wasn't perfect, certainly, but that's been the validating thing through all of this. Uh, Literally every day since it happened, Seth, one way or the other, I run into somebody, I'll get an email, I'll get a tweet, whatever the case may be. I was at a concert the other night and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and she's like, hey, man, I just want to tell you, I really appreciated how you did your job and you know, you got screwed over there. And it, it's it's great that that's resonated with people and it makes me feel good that we did the job we needed to do. Well, I think the 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 theme of this and then we'll we'll move on. The theme of the whole thing is, you know, the media gets slammed so much mm-hmm. and between social media and, you know, the, the downsizing of radio and, and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I, I make no secret. I didn't write an article about it, but uh, when COVID hit uh, the show I was doing on that station was immediately cl- uh, slashed and there was, we hadn't missed a game yet. And it was just very, very panicky, and I, I, it was fine. It was a you know side project, and 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 I, and I did it. Um, the reality of what had gone on is we're not always in this freedom of the press situation, and even when you do the right thing, the end result may backfire. You know, Kevin Brown could be a great baseball announcer. He works for a lunatic. That you can't be surprised. You work for a lunatic too. You know that that's reality. And the 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 problem is because we're front facing. You have to then see the reaction, the reaction that you received from a national standpoint. How did that make you feel? And again, I I'm looking at it through the lens. Is it's very similar to what Kevin got. I'm going to use that word again, Seth. It was validating and it was surreal because I read all that stuff. You know, I, I am an avid follower of sports media and I read all the trades. I, I follow all those guys on Twitter and gals that cover this stuff, you know, Richard Deitch and Jimmy Traina and uh, our friends at Barrett Sports Media and, and the people that, that cover this to see me as the Jason subject. Barrett's been on Sports with Friends. There you go. He's now, saying all these people have been on Sports with Friends. I love Jason. He's the best. But it went beyond that. Like I had the when Ben Strauss from the Washington Post called me, yeah. that's when I was like, whoa, what in the world is going on right now? So, but it just goes to show you, hey, don't piss off a bunch of media people, some that went to Syracuse and some yeah. that didn't. Because they saw it as a violation of what we do. But again, the thing that that holds to me beyond the media attention is. And I, I, I'll tell my kids this in class. It's like, you have to make a decision about who you're doing your job for. I have bosses, right? You have to do what your bosses expect you to do, but your boss is your audience, right? At the end of the day, all you have is your integrity with the people that, whatever the case may be, listen to you, read you, watch you, whatever format you're in. And that's what's got to carry the day. And it's a lesson, the lesson from Kevin, the lesson from me, and uh, let's put Sam Blum in this conversation, who is a beat reporter for the Angels for the Athletic. He got removed from the Angels pregame show 
uh, for the same reason I was removed because he was air quotes too negative. All it takes is one person who owns whatever entity it is, a team, a station, whatever the case may be, to just say that that's enough of you, right? But if you do your job and you do it to the best of your ability, the way it needs to be done, that you expect your audience to hold you to, then that's what's going to carry you through versus the the bad decision of, of one person. Well, and to kind of put a bow on this, uh, I was thrilled when I heard that you're going to start a new podcast because that's how I consume media. So I missed hearing your takes. I was always, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I watch all the games. I'm an alum. I, I, I watch the games. I watch the football games. I watch the basketball games, but I don't follow it that closely. It's not, you know, it's, it, I, they're, they're on the, the games are on when I know something's a bad loss is when Brent Axe goes off. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's the way I know it. And I, I, I enjoy that. Um, one thing about college sports and college athletics is I think most of what has been considered critical is the rules are changing. And they're not changing for the better. My reason being... Uh, and my reason for saying that is I watched that press conference when Adrian Autry, future Sports with Friends guest, Adrian Autry, uh, took over for Jim Beheim, who had been the coach for how many years? 47, 48? 47, yeah. 47. And I think it was a mutual friend of ours, Mike Waters, great guy, uh, stands up at the podium. First question. And he says, what's the first thing you did? When you got the job, when you knew officially you had the job and Adrian Autry was very blunt and he said, I called all my players and begged them to stay. <laughs> yeah, that said, speaks. Oh, to my effing God. I I hate college sports like this is ruining this whole thing. The 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 NIL, the image and likeness, I don't have a problem with. I've always said um Fat cats shouldn't profit on people's names. I've I've always said that. I do feel like the scholarship in its own right is a form of payment. Anyone who has a college loan to pay off knows that. So I I, I was on the fence about an actual salary, but name, Im, image, and likeness, I was all in for. This transfer portal, which started over COVID, has taken college sports and it's not just basketball but basketball is a centerpiece in Syracuse and it's just made a mockery of it if a guy doesn't like the minutes he's getting he leaves if a guy doesn't like one practice the coach was yelled at him he leaves and there's no commitment on either side from a player or a coaching standpoint and it's made this sport harder to root for there's a lot there because I didn't think this podcast was going to be that easy. No, of course not. I expect <laughs> the, the fastballs from you, my friend. Let, let's let's look at those two things specifically. Name, image, and likeness, right? For years, the NCAA spent millions of dollars lobbying against name, image, and likeness. It slowly broke down. It started with the Adelban and lawsuit, which most people are familiar with. And just the more the NCAA brought this up legally, the more they got their ass handed to them, right? Just time after time after time till – the moment in July of 2021, Seth, when they just basically turned down the fire hose. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, guess what? Next month, everybody can profit off their name, image, and likeness. Like, what? Like, 
nobody knew what the rules were. And now you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. The transfer portal, it used to be you had to wait a year, right? Right. Which I liked that. And you didn't want to do that. You there was there were there were reasons not to do it. So you only transferred right. when it was absolutely your last resort. And see, that's it. It was a last resort. You had to think about it. Are you sure about this? Because we're we're dealing with 18 to 23-year-olds. They change yep. their minds every five minutes, right? But I like that this was, okay, look, if you do this, there's ramifications for it. You got to think about it. But at the same time, through all of that, and I think there were provisions in the rules. If your coach left, you could get like a waiver to leave. But like, if we're in a, in a structure where coaches can walk out the door tomorrow, because they get more money and a bigger offer, I think the athlete should be able to do the same exact thing. And I know that that messes with loyalty and tradition and, and you know, the things that college sports fans yearn for. But here's the thing, Seth. The NCAA made this mess. They made this bed, and now they got to sleep in it. And I have no sympathy for them because they spent years railing against this and fighting student-athletes' rights. So guess what? The chickens came home to roost. And if this is the result of it, I think this is the result we got to live with. Okay. If that's the case, though, uh, I think it, it it exemplifies, let's just use basketball as the example. What it's made is the college basketball regular season less relevant. And that NCAA tournament has become bigger with the advent of legalized gambling. That tournament as its own entity uh, is wonderful. And that tournament is a cash cow. But the regular season, whereas, you know, when you and I were similar in age, when when you and I were watching Syracuse hoops or Big East basketball, you know, there was a game between Syracuse and UConn on a Tuesday night in, in January. And that was a, an event. And now just win enough to get in because then it could be an exciting couple of weekends. That's it. And what I think about is... I think about that city because a lot of people, when they talk about, we'll get into uh, realignment and, and, and all these colleges that are moving conferences and all these different things. What I think about are the small people. And when I say small, I don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory tone. What I'm saying is small programs that don't get the big headlines have loyal fan bases that are tired of getting beat on. And there's a, there's a malaise. I lived in Seattle, Washington, and I know the people who had a depression, a form of depression when the Seattle supersonics left sports is a big part of a city's identity. And if you tell me that because of this transfer portal, that the, this regular, this, this college basketball regular season is just less than and if you if if you're not a Syracuse fan, that's it, it, you can apply this to dozens of schools, but they're these small schools that don't have these nat that they're not garnering this national attention, and they're just being just just treated like dirt. There's there's no doubt the rich got richer here, and will continue to get richer because if you're one of those small schools, one of those mid majors, right? If you make a run in the NCAA tournament and you showcase yourself, all it takes is three or four games, then you're going to have the supposed power five. There's a couple more in college basketball, but let's just go with that. Lining up to get you to transfer, Seth, even if you don't want to. Because let's be honest, right. there's a lot of coaches out there. They're not playing by the rules. 
right? right. What, what, rules, what rules do we have? It reminds me of that great scene from Field of Dreams when Kevin Costner goes to find Terrence Mann and, and Terrence Mann's chasing him with a crowbar. He's like, oh, rules? There are no rules here, right? That is college sports. So it also opens up the door to opportunity. You brought up Adrian Autry, right? First thing, I got to get my players back. He didn't get everybody back. He oh. lost a bit more with Jesse Edwards uh, specifically to go to West Virginia. And then Bob Huggins got a DUI and that's a whole different topic. Yeah, but, different but Jesse topic. Edwards was being honored on senior night. Like everybody yeah. thought he was leaving, even though right. he, they knew he had a year of eligibility. Everybody was like, okay, Jesse, you, you've done your time. See you later. Go, do, what go, go off and saying? make some money. It used to be you thought they were going to the pros. Like right. you're, you're, you're doing an air quote senior night for guys you think are going to the pros. Now, every year you're looking at four or five players. Like, is he going to transfer? Is he going to transfer? But Syracuse brought in JJ Starling and they brought in Chance Westry and they brought in Naheem McLeod. Like for the players they lost, you snap a That's finger, exactly they brought right. in three terrific players that are all going to contribute and are all going to be, you know, right on the court this year. So it's, it's adapt or die. I'm not saying you got to like it, but it's, it harkens back to what we said a moment ago. The rich are still getting richer here. The transfer portal does not help those mid-majors. They still have the same task set. You have to, if you're Colgate, make the NCAA tournament. You have no other way to have a successful year, to put your, your brand out there, whatever the case may be. And that used to help you, right? They used to help you recruit. Now it's only exposing your best players. To the Syracuse's the world, that's, be like, amazing. Ah, that's amazing. I think we should bring him in. That's amazing. Um, last week we had uh, Andy Staples uh, on the podcast, who I adore. I, I, I think he's great uh, on college football, and he broke it down uh, and said something that I thought contradicted something that I heard on your podcast. <laughs> I was listening. I, you know, when I publish sports with friends, I have listened to it with a fine tooth comb. But after it's out, it's out. <laughs> that, that's it. Uh, I listen to other podcasts and I listen to yours. And let let me uh, explain what Andy had expressed to me. And you tell me how you disagree. OK. Um, basically, what he was saying with the with the money that these television networks, because what college realignment uh, turns into is a sports media conversation, because it's all about how much money each individual school will receive from a television contract that has been signed with the conference and the network, not an individual school. And so basically what we have in college sports, it's a football decision, but college sports is you have these two A-list conferences, the big 10 and the sec. And that's it. And when they recreate this, this playoff, what you're going to see is the money that those two conferences will receive from television contracts doubles and in some cases triples the B's. And what Andy said was that the B's are, there really are only two B-level conferences, the Big 12 and the ACC. And that's it. Everything else is a C-level conference and we'll have television rights deals that are reflective of that. And that is from a numbers standpoint. What I then heard on your podcast was you speak of the ACC in similar tones as the SEC and the Big Ten when 
from my perspective, the ACC is like the Champions League in England. It's it's like the second tier. And that once Clemson and Florida State get their wish and look, they have lawyers on it. They're going to find a way when there's desire, there's a way. If they all go to the SEC, you want to throw in North Carolina? I'd be okay. You want to throw in Duke? I, I don't know. However, it turns out the ACC will then be less than. And if you do that and you take the only real potential football national powers out of the equation, what you've told the city of Syracuse is that for all time, you're a minor league city. And when it came to college sports, Syracuse never thought that. Syracuse was a minor league hockey city and a minor league pro baseball city, but a major league sports town. And this hurts and it just sucks. Your thoughts. Seth, the minute I can leave, if you'd like to just take over. That was, that was a great setup. And I respect Andy Staples a lot. I love his takes. Uh, Chris Vanini also wrote a really interesting piece on the athletic that I, I would encourage people to read about this. But here's the thing. The minute Syracuse joined the Big East, they became exactly what you said. And Syracuse fans don't like to hear that. But you were always second class in the ACC. You were always minor league in the ACC. Once a decade, maybe, you're going to chase Clemson or Florida State or whoever's at the top of the league. By the way, way, Florida State. Florida State out there, like, throwing the hammer down as if they're Alabama or Georgia. Florida State was terrible. Terrible. that, that's right. They're the basing it on years. the history, and and you're right. They yeah. they haven't been great. Right. They they've been terrible until their revival the last couple of years under Mike. But the Orwell. way they're looking at it is, a if we can get out of this stinking ACC and get to the SEC and get that influx of money, well, guess what? We'll be, we'll be great. You're wrong. Just because you got thirty more million dollars a year, you think you're going to compete with Alabama and Georgia and uh, and all these Big Ten programs or SEC programs? A and B. Who's to say the SEC is going to take you? Like the SEC is a little more, how can I say this, restrictive about expansion than most people think. Now, if it was a com- combo deal of Florida State and somebody else like North Carolina, then yeah, they'd be stupid not to let you in. The Big Ten is not going to take Florida State, in my opinion. So for Florida State to be out there, like they they think they're the prettiest girl at the beauty pageant and there's 49 other states standing next to them, right? Saying like, we're just as pretty as you. But let's go back to a Syracuse perspective, right? from this whole thing. So the minute Syracuse joined the ACC, this became a sterile business agreement for television money, which nobody roots for, right? Mm -hmm. The football product once a decade can maybe compete like they did in 2018. The basketball product, remember Seth, since their first year in the ACC has not finished higher than sixth in the ACC, Mm -hmm. right? They're just part of the league. So from a Syracuse perspective, look, they're getting the TV money they're getting. They're still competing. And I know that this this is not it, it's a form of football, but like last year, Syracuse won a national championship in soccer. Okay, mm-hmm. the two lacrosse programs, the women's lacrosse program was just in the final four. The men's lacrosse program is revived. There's other successful Olympic sports here in Syracuse. For two weeks last year, everybody in this town was a soccer fan, and every Syracuse alum out there was just as passionately rooting for that soccer team as they would the football team. I understand that football runs the show here but 
the ACC is still a hell of a league. It has won 16 national championships in the last two academic years. And top to bottom is still one of the best products in, in college basketball and can be in football, right? So you hate to say this, but the ACC just kind of has to accept you're in third place. You are not going to catch the SEC and the Big Ten. If they want to go do their power two thing, great. But it's still a great league. Focus on that. Now, I'm not going to completely uh, let them off the hook here. That grant of rights thing, you said it, Seth. Someone's going to find a way out of that. Okay? Right. It has helped up to this point. It's, it's when. It's not if. It's when. It's exactly. not going to be 2036. We're not going to have the flying be, car and Florida State's finally going to leave the ACC. 100%. It, help, it, it, what it What it has done, it has bought the ACC time to figure this out. The ACC should have been much more aggressive. And I've been on the record saying this. They they should have been on Oregon and Washington. I'm not saying they should have got USC and UCLA because who the hell saw that coming, right? But I don't think they should have waited on that. So now we're looking at Cal and Stanford, okay? From a football standpoint, look, Cal and Stanford do not draw huge audiences in the state of California, right? So all these thoughts of well it would be great programming for the acc network it would add television homes to the acc network i don't know how true that is but let's go back to what we said a moment ago cal and stanford top to bottom are two of the best athletic programs in the country stanford in particular so i think if the opportunity is there and they're willing to take less money if not no media rights fees for the foreseeable future as has been reported out there then why wouldn't you do that there is strength in numbers here. So when Florida State does crack the seal and takes a couple of teams with them, the ACC has to have strength in numbers, right? And as dumb as it is to say that Cal and Stanford should travel to Virginia Tech to play a soccer game, like, those are the rules now. I didn't but make them, but you got to play. See, see, you think that happens? I think there's a better chance of the Pac-12 finding seven other or five other teams to join them, and they'll be a, a B-level conference too. If I had a bet on it, that's what would happen. But this is where Jim Phillips has to step up and say, "We're I'm sorry, this the Jenga tower fell, and we're going to grab these two pieces that's and bring them in. And I'm not saying that's like, why you're that good at sports on the level of anybody else. I'm saying you have to act in the here and now and not just be like, well, we got the grant of rights. Uh, we'll see you next year. Like it, That's just not going to work anymore. What about this idea that if – they figure a way out of the grant of rights. What if more schools want to leave um, as a fan, as a fan, not as a Syracuse.com employee, not as a new house uh, teacher, professor, whatever they call you there, just as a fan. If John Wildhack came out and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get Georgetown and St. John's and Seton Hall and get the band back together again. And, We'll just have our little nook of the world because if we're going to be B and C level anyway, let's just be B and C level and create a streaming service, you know, Big East TV and just go backwards. Because I remember when the team left the Big East, when the school left the, the Big East for the ACC, it was to fortify football. And I think we've just seen that that never really happened. There were a couple of nice moments that never happened. And fortifying football should not be the 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 move 
I'm not necessarily a huge supporter of this. I do see it online. I see it on social media, Twitter, X, whatever you call it, whatever it is, I see it. And I'm, and my response is, yeah, that would be fun. Cause that Except was fun. Fans are yearning for, right? They want a soul back. All these, the television money, the NIL things, the transfer portal, it has taken the soul out of college sports. What people yearn for when they watch Requiem for the Big East or they think about, it's been a decade now since Syracuse has been in the ACC. That's what they're yearning for, right? Big East football should have worked, okay? There were a lot of bad decisions that were made there that made that league fall apart. Mm -hmm. So everybody understands the business aspect of this and why Syracuse has to be behind that velvet rope. But ideally, and here's what brought this up, Seth, look at UConn. UConn is a basketball school all the way. They tried to play football. They tried to make that a thing. It fell apart, and they ended up becoming independent of all things. Jim Moore Jr. came in and has – we'll see what happens uh, going forward, but a somewhat revived UConn football as an independent product. We're a basketball school. We're going in on that, and the, the point is to win. If the point is to win and to feel pride in the programs that win, that's the best solution, right? Do you want Syracuse to be in the ACC and collect $40 million of which a dollar you'll never see in your life? And hey, we're in the big league. Or do you want Syracuse football to win? Whatever the structure is, win eight, nine games a year, go to bowl games, whatever the structure of it is. Right. So I've defended the ACC because that's the structure now. If somebody come up with a better idea and you can go out there and Put sort some sort of format together where you're winning, you're competing, you are you are what Syracuse used to be, and basketball still great, and all the other sports are on the level and competitive. Then I'm all for it. What if the divide gets to be too deep, and that the 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 money for the Big Ten and the SEC is so exponentially higher that it's almost like you know, as streaming services evolve and there was this talk that the PAC 12 almost signed an exclusivity deal with Apple. And to me, that's just, it, they weren't ready. They, they needed exposure more than they needed. What I thought was a sweetheart deal. I, I, I thought the money wasn't as high as I think a lot of people assumed, but I, I thought that's that deal with Apple was pretty neat. And if I'm a PAC 12 fan, I would have subscribed to that. You know, if, if my school was involved in that, I'd pay for it. You know, I, I, I'd buy whatever service it is. Um, it's almost like we see two different college sports. Is there going to be a time where the, the difference between the A's and the B's are so disparate that as a fan, you just won't notice that you just won't notice that the quality is less than, uh, let me make the analogy. I'm a, a fan of the premier league. Right. I, I, I watch the Premier League. Uh, that That's one of my hobbies that I do. I, I, I'm i a fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm, you know, I'm a fan. I have no interest in the MLS. I have no interest in the MLS. Like the MLS can, it's a sweet deal. And every time I go to Apple TV, they're telling me how wonderful the MLS is. And it doesn't move the needle for me in the slightest. So multiply that times college football that billions are being spent on the big 10 and the sec and that everything else is just in the weeds. And yeah, there'll be like, you know, the, 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 the pep boys, Manny Mo and Jack streaming service coming out with the city's psyche 
be okay with that. Just like did the city of Seattle overcompensate because they lost the supersonics is the city of Syracuse going to be fine with just being okay in a mediocre conference. So you made a great comparison when you said the premier league and MLS, because what's being created here is college's version of the MLS. Cause this is not college sports, right? There's always been the haves and the have nots in college sports, but what has made college sports thrive is traditions, rivalries, the belief that, you know, once in a while, if you're a Syracuse, you you can make a run, you can pull an upset, you can beat number one, Nebraska in the dome uh, or Penn state, or, you know, go through all the examples through the years that that is well, you get guys like Donovan McNabb to come right and make a run with what the SEC and the big Ten's doing. That balloon is floating farther and farther away. So they're going to be their own thing. And then everybody left is doing everything else. Now here's the irony of this conversation, Seth, because it's football based. The only thing holding this together is the NCAA tournament because in basketball, because if the SEC and the Big Ten and name me a couple other power leagues tried to form their own tournament, it would fail. Right. No one wants to watch that. That's not the NCAA. Right. They tournament. want they want this one with that music and and right music and, and the upsets and that's the shot for the little guy to make a run. Now the the highest rated Final Fours are always when it's North Carolina, Kansas, and. And, right. and you know the blue blood program right because right? the first weekend is fun for the adventure of it but then by the end exactly. right if the power 5 has its own basketball tournament i don't want to watch that right so that's what's holding it together the minute that falls apart is when this whole thing blows up so i know we're we're talking football 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 but that's the base okay. of it and what's holding it apart so that's my point with the acc the sec and the big 10 they're gone and you're not catching them Right. Short of you brought up Apple, like short of Apple, like buying the ACC <laughs> like they did with the Pac-12 and upping the, the rights fees or something. They're gone. And by the way, side note, the Pac-12 is going to regret that deal when Apple buys ESPN. Yeah, well, that's my prediction. Yeah, that's my sports prediction. Mark it down, kids. You heard it here first. You're you're, you're absolutely right. That, that That's uh, coming. All right. As we wrap here. um, the sports books uh, have set the over/under for Syracuse at six point five, six and a half wins. Uh, are you over or under? I'm definitely over. The past really? couple of years, though, I I I hammered the over. This year, I'm strolling to the window with my ticket. Like, I think this is right. I think, okay. Oh, 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 okay. You can have it, right? Because look, this is a nine-win schedule. But I hate when football fans talk themselves into these things, Seth, because you and I know better. Shit happens in football. Injuries happen. Nothing goes according to plan. There's one game that you just nothing goes right. Upsets, crazy things. What Syracuse has to do is control the controllables, to use a football term, right? Don't stub your toe against a Colgate, a Western Michigan, at Purdue, Army. They go through a stretch where they have Clemson at home, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. I'm forgetting one of there. I'll look it up while we're, we're talking about it here, but it is a brutal. Let me pull it up here. So Clemson at the Dome, North Carolina, and f- our friends at Florida State, three in a row. And then they go to Virginia Tech right, and Virginia three defectors. Tech, they're good, but that's a hard place to play. Lane Stadium at night is that is one of the hardest environments in college football. So you have to survive that stretch. And then, kind of on the back end there, BC, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest. 
there are seven wins in there. So I'm going to take the over on that. And by the way, can I short a side rant? Mm-hmm. The fact that you got a coach that has to win six or seven games to earn a contract extension and you're in the position you're in. And they took that Pittsburgh game and put it at Yankee Stadium. Taking a home game away is patently absurd. Why? Because it's the 100th anniversary of college football at Yankee Stadium. Who freaking cares? But so, so they, that's a money there. deal, right? That's that's a that's a money. So of course, Yankee it is. Stadium offered that to Syracuse and said, "But how much money? How much money is that versus?" I'd like to know, but Syracuse never tells you these things. How much money is that versus your average home gate? And Pittsburgh's in a, a good team. Pittsburgh has kicked your ass in the last twenty years, and you're going to give. I, I, more I think I'm going I think I'm going to go to that game. Based on what you're telling me, they're going to be interesting. I'm going to go to that game at Yankee Stadium. They were just at Yankee Stadium. Like, this would be one thing yeah. if they hadn't been in Yankee Stadium for 10 years. They've been there 45 times. I know, those pinstripe holes. <laughs> so, anyway, they gave that away. Now, watch them go beat Pittsburgh at Yankee Stadium, and I'll be wrong about that. But don't look at the schedule and make that the basis of what you think this team should be. So, that's why I'm just getting over the finish line. I think this is a team that can win seven games top to bottom on that schedule, and uh, you're, you're cashing in the over. There's going to be a lot of eyes on the basketball team because it's the first year without Jim Beheim. Will the basketball team entertain, or will the basketball team get the naysayers to come out and say, oh, God, they never should have gotten rid of him. He's, he was there, and Beheim, an icon, a Hall of Famer, blah, 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 blah. Will there be a learning curve for Adrian Autry, and will this – Again, I'm not asking for win totals. It's way too early for that. But will it be entertaining? That's the way to frame it. Yeah. That, I think, all signs are pointing towards that. Autry has flat out said he wants to push the tempo. Autry is going to play more man-to-man defense. We know this. That is locked in. The style of play that this roster has, the player that Judaman's coming back was just everything for this team. The style of Judah and J.J. in the backcourt, mixing a chance Westry. You could put Malik Brown at center and go small and go quick. Or with Naheem McLeod in there, all seven foot four of them, you can get in the zone or you can mix some things up. What I love about this roster is its versatility and its opportunity. This team will be entertaining. This team also has a bear of a schedule itself, right? Now, our thoughts and prayers are, are with our friends in Maui. Who knows if they're even going to play in Maui? But if that event happens, (laughs) there are some great teams in that Maui Classic. So right off the bat, Syracuse is going to be challenged, right? So look, I don't know if this is a tournament team, but I do know this. They'll be fun to watch. And I know, I'm trying to be fair here, but Autry is going to have the shortest honeymoon in history because Syracuse basketball cannot miss the tournament three years in a row. That's just unacceptable by their standards. So everybody kind of gives them one year, get your feet on the ground, get your system in place. But the very least they've got to be in the conversation for the tournament. Cause that's the expectation. Cause you said it, Seth. Autry first thought was get my players back, right? This is not what this transition would have been 20 years ago. There's the honeymoon. You don't get a honeymoon anymore. You just, it, it's a sprint and you got to hit the ground running. And what people are yearning for, is I've heard a lot of people say we got to get back to 
right? We got to get back yeah, to this. Yeah. It's not back to it's what is Syracuse basketball going forward. It's the thing I've been yearning for the past few years with all due respect to Jim Beheim and the program that he built. It's time to see what Syracuse basketball is going forward. Uh, I hate it when people say this is my last question and then they, uh, then they ask another one. So I'm not asking you another question. Uh, all I can say is, and I mean this sincerely, this is why I created this podcast. I always thought you could have gone anywhere you wanted. I think that you bring a major market mentality to your broadcast style. And I've thought that for over a decade. I thought it was bullshit what happened to you. Uh, but I like that you've landed on your feet. And all I can say is uh, I've been a fan before I knew you. I love calling you a friend. And you have my support in whatever you wind up doing. Thank you for doing this show, bud. Steph, that means a ton. Thank you for that. I, I, you're bringing me to tears here, man. That was that was <laughs> That wasn't so, the idea. I appreciate that. And uh, I want to thank uh, all the support I've gotten from the listeners and the viewers and everybody out there as, as we brought up earlier. And I'll just end on that note because you brought it up. And this is the most ironic reference I think I could come up with at, the, at this point. But here's where Jim Beheim and I will always agree. Syracuse, New York is the greatest place on earth. I've had opportunities to go elsewhere, but I love it here. This is my home. And Good. what you said means a lot, because if I can do that for the people in central New York or listening from beyond that want to be connected to central New York, and I can hear about that opinion in the produce section at Wegmans, like it doesn't get better for me than that. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'll be up uh, later this fall. I will see you in person. But uh, again, thank you so much for doing uh, Sports with Friends and uh, continued success uh, with all with with everything. And yes, you at least have one subscriber from a Jewish kid from Jersey. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Seth. I'm glad we officially got to do this. That's Brent Axe. He's not a hot take guy. He's a smart take guy. It was a thrill having him on the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support of the podcast. Next week, we have another great guest. That's how we do it here on Sports with Friends. Talk to you then. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay here. I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come on, please, I'm gone. Forget to reach in my phone.